the more that we meet what's happening inside of us with totality and fullness, the better. And so B-MAN stands for breathe, breathe more fully, more deeply, get out of your head with breath. M stands for move your body, like get connected to your muscles, to your joints, to your body. Because if we don't do that, we often lock ourselves into postures that keep us in a certain mindset. So we breathe, we move, we accept whatever the F is going on inside or with the other person. Can I first leave acceptance rather than fighting it or arguing with reality? Like I'm angry. I'm shut down. I'm stuck. My life sucks right now. Can I accept all that and breathe and move into it? And once I've done those three, breathing, moving, accepting, what's needed or wanted? Be man for me to move forward in a positive way in my life right now. You know what? I'm needing to stop and just like do some meditation and really find my center. I'm needing to like, I'm needing to start going to some classes again that get me to a place where I'm like working out and in my body. I'm needing to quit this fucking job. I'm needing to end this relationship because it feels like totally codependent and we're unhealthy with each other and we keep getting in the same fights or I'm needing to get support. I'm needing to actually get help to face what's going on in my life. So we make a choice of what's wanted or needed from a place of being very present in our body and accepting what is first, not from a place of making it wrong. So many people make what's going on wrong in themselves and they're in their mind about it and then they try to fix and change all these deck pieces around them, you know, like playing chess, rather than like meeting ourselves so fully and checking in, what do I really need or want right now? What is the deepest intelligence in me trying to tell me? What have I not been listening to? And am I willing to listen now, now that I've been breathing, moving, and I accept what's going on? That to me works in any moment, in any situation. Thin and all around us, beyond these eyes, sense the presence of our angels and guides. This world has its struggles, few demons in disguise. Many hearts are closed with cold, swollen eyes Some webs are broken, lost in the mind Still the body's wisdom breathes spirit inside Ancestors, water bearers, fire tenders Hold us through the night Sending prayers up to the sky We are welcome in the light Sending prayers up to the sky We are calling in the light Honor all directions Keep turning inward Earthly body dancing Stars upon the sky Hell is undercover, speak to what is real Calling forth illumination, may all hearts heal Spirit, I feel you inside Give me the strength to stand for what's right Spirit, I feel you inside Give me the strength to stand for what's right Ancestors, water bearers, fire tenders Hold us through the night Sending prayers up to the sky We are welcome in the light Sending prayers up to the sky We are calling in the light 
Bobovas vahatat save tur varinyo. Bagode vasya de mahidi yo yo naprachodaya. Bobovas vahatat save tur varinyo. Bagode vasya de mahidi yo yo naprachodaya. Ancestors, water bearers, fire tenders, hold us through the night, sending prayers up to the sky. We are welcome in the light, sending prayers up to the sky. We are calling in the light. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is Mike Adelic. I'm Mike Brancatelli. You're you. That was Shem's Hartwell in the intro and on the guitar, singing along. Prayers Up to the Sky is the name of the track. You could find out more. All of Shem's links are in the show notes, show description, his Instagram, his website, his retreat coming up, the Navigator Retreat, which is going to be absolutely epic. Uh, the Navigator Retreat will be from December 1st to the 5th in Maui, Hawaii. It, is, uh, it looks absolutely incredible. The amount of wisdom this man has to help us navigate, to help us navigate, to help us feel the truth of our emotional experience, to, to get clear on it, to accept, to release, to renew, to recommit, to rise to the occasion to show up honestly in a healthy way, feeling all of what's present, accepting it, and moving forward in a way that builds bridges and builds true connection. And I know you guys are going to learn a whole bunch from this episode with him. He's a, a guide, a facilitator who specializes in personal and relational empowerment, and his work goes to the core of what is needed for embodied transformation by integrating the physical, the mental, the sexual, the emotional, and the spiritual. Wow, yeah, this conversation was hosted by myself and my brother Bill Burns, who uh, many of you have heard on the podcast before. Bill and I have been holding men's gatherings, men's experiences. We're building a tribe of brothers uh, based out of Denver here and doing some things in, in Colorado. Uh, coming up, we have a retreat called Inward in Boulder, Colorado. It is a primal masculine winter solstice journey on December 17th. We're going to be experiencing a lot of uh, shedding what doesn't serve us anymore so that we can step clearly and fully into the new year um, during the, the time of transformation from autumn to winter. We're going to be in nature on 100 acres of land in Boulder, Colorado. We're going to have a teepee ceremony, live music, ecstatic dance, a brotherhood council, drum circles, uh, hiking. It's going to be really epic. So we have a few spots left. I think we have like three or four spots left there. Check out the link in the show notes and show description and stay tuned for what we'll be hosting in the future. Uh, more to come with that. But a part of a new part of the podcast will be. Uh, Bill and I hosting episodes that specifically focus on this work that we're doing, that we're, this path that we've been embarking on 
for some some time now since the, the you know the pandemic I guess really um but more specifically the last like 6 months we've been putting together uh weekly councils and mini retreats and bigger retreats like permission that we hosted at the end of August and that video is up on my website is a little recap from permission you could check that out I'll put the link in the show notes as well and uh yeah I hope you guys get a lot out of this show uh, out of this episode with Shem's Hartwell and if you do please uh check out his stuff all the links are in the show notes uh check out our stuff our offerings and like share subscribe leave five stars on Apple Podcasts that helps boost the show up so it's found higher when people are searching for conversations like this it helps the algorithm it, it basically is like a uh, a beacon of light showing people hey there's there's interesting stuff happening over here so all you have to do is go if you get value out of this and just click five stars in the ratings and review section on Apple Podcast. If you want to go a step further and leave a review, that's all good too. I really appreciate that. Big shout out to everybody that does that. Much love to all of you and much love to all of my Patreon supporters. If I had more Patreon supporters, I feel like I would be doing less ads as well. But uh, I, I'd love to, to host and sponsor. I'd love to do partnerships with companies that I feel aligned with. Um, but anyway, they're both great. So if you want to check out the Patreon, get access to early releases, bonus episodes, and join the Inner Sanctum Discord that's connecting a community of Mikeadelic listeners all around the world, uh, check that out. It's patreon.com slash Mike Brank, B-R-A-N-C. The links are in the show notes as well. And yeah, check out the, the sponsors, Being True to You, Fungi Academy, and Element Kombucha. Element Kombucha has a, a discount code, Mike11. Uh, Element Kombucha is the best kombucha. It's by far the best. If you love kombucha, like I love kombucha, uh, get this Element Kombucha. I guarantee you're going to love it. I love it. I think it's the best. They have unique flavors. They're made with like the best ingredients. Uh, you know, it's just crisp and clean, really nourishing, not too fizzy, and just really, really delicious. It's by far my new favorite kombucha. So check that out. And it's a, a way of showing support so that, you know, little independent shows like mine. Uh, can help uh, stay afloat. So whatever you do to help support the show in any way that you can, whether it's leaving five stars on Apple Podcasts or joining the Patreon or buying a case of kombucha from Element Kombucha, promo code Mike11, really uh, want to acknowledge you. Thank you. You're helping uh, us bring more conversations like this to the forefront uh, and and really that's the goal is trying to provide enriching, thought-provoking conversations with rawness and realness and depth that, that can spark something inside of somebody that says, hey, I wonder what else is going on in this field. And then come out to our events, come out and, and join our community, be a part of, of growing this. And, and, and you know, a lot of the work that Bill and I are doing is inviting people in to share their gifts and to share their talents and providing a, a safe container for men. Uh, in order to to really find that place within them, and then we all become leaders. We all lift each other up, and uh, I've I've definitely received that from my work with Shems and Sacred Sons, and we're just looking to to keep passing that on, to keep growing this. This is a movement. Uh, this is a movement, as uh, as Adam Jackson, one of the founders of Sacred Sons, has said. You know, this is a movement. There's no competition in this work. It's a movement. We're all on the same team here, and I couldn't agree more. It feels so good to be in in a collaborative alignment and uh, all working towards the same goals of healthy honest true uh masculinity and and relationship building and communication techniques 
So, you know, it's, it's all good. We're, 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 it, this, this is the revolution. This is what's happening. This is, you know, slowly and steadily and locally and people just kind of finding out and telling each other and sharing it. And really I, well, what happens is when you get involved in this work uh, and other people take notice of the changes that you've made, that's really the way that it grows. You know, you can't really tell anybody. You really got to experience it. Um, so that with that being said, experience uh, the joy of this podcast. I hope you guys get a lot out of it. I sure did. I know Bill did. We really appreciated the time we spent with Shem's Hartwell and hope you guys do too. Without further ado, let's get in this conversation with Shem's Hartwell. I, I really want to acknowledge you as as a leader in this space and in this work, as somebody who's very clear, very lucid, mm-hmm. very direct, uh, very uh, assertive and compassionate at the same time. Uh, and I really took notice of that right away when we hopped into our Shadow Dancers group. That um, I felt, you know, wow, I'm in the presence of a true master. So I want mm-hmm. to acknowledge you for that, Shems. Thank you. I appreciate that, brother. Yeah. Yeah, so we're hoping to learn a lot from you today. Give, uh, we'll probably just have a little tidbit, little taste of a lot of the things that you do and, and a lot of the wealth of your wisdom uh, over your years. Maybe, maybe we should get started there. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about, tell us some of the most sort of potent uh, parts of your journey, the, the mm. things that have really kind of moved you along on, on making the choice to embark on this path, offering the work that you do? You know, the origin in that would probably be my father's trauma. If I just go straight with it, my father lost his parents in Germany at the age of one during the war, and um, potentially his father was Jewish. And so we don't know the whole story, but my father was orphaned very early and, and uh, went through a very traumatic early journey and was fortunate to be brought to the U.S. after nine years of his life living as an orphan, as a, actually a police officer's orphan son who he was abused and beaten and really went through a lot of rough journeys. His mother's sister found out he was still alive somehow and brought him to the U.S. However, he didn't speak English. He went to boarding schools. He stumbled his way. He really had a rough start. Met my mom. My mom's from Germany from a traumatic background as well, losing her grandparents and um, or my grandmother losing her parents to the Russians in the war early on. So both my parents came with a lot of trauma. They got together and it was a mess in a lot of ways. And it was really hard. You know, my, that was me and then my brother's two years younger than I am. And most of my memories are like bringing my mama stuffed animals while she was crying, you know, of like trying to be around that. My father having these huge fits of rage and reactivity. And so that seeded a lot of things for one, my own traumas, you know, just of living with my father who was a bit of a loaded gun and, and could go off and have huge fits at the steering wheel, not being able to find a parking spot. Um, to being very kind and taking me on a beautiful walk and a hike and being, he had a lot of gold, he has a lot of gold and gifts too. But a lot of the experience I had with my father was really hard. And so it set a bit of a challenging caliber for me with men. You know, my early realm, not trusting men, really looking at my friends' fathers and going like, man, their father's so patient with them. I'm in Boy Scouts and their father's taking time to make the model car. And my dad like is breaking it while he's trying to deal with it with me and then yelling at me and making me wrong for it. And, and basically my father being loaded with fear. 
like reactivity and fear right below huge rage and anger. So that's it in motion a lot of things for me. For one, learning disabilities. Like I had a lot of trouble in school. My mom left in the night when I was six with my brother and I, and I ended up living with my father for some reasons. And so that's the beginning of it. And that led to me, you know, going through school and childhood and, and fortunately having, you know, some healthy grandparents on one side and things to, to help my nervous system be healthy enough to function in the world in a certain way. There was a lot of gifts. My mom's super beautiful and wonderful. And so she was enough of a loving energy that I was able to navigate those things without it having it shut me down too much. However, as I got into like, you know, high school and challenges and then got to interface with a lot of my other boys in the school ground, it was hard for me. It was hard for me to interface with some of the boys that were just like, you know, the, the intensity, the power struggle, the, the, the ways that guys are so hard with each other to like attack each other. The aggressive energy was really hard for me. And I didn't have a lot of power and strength. I had a little, I was a little bit feminized as a young one too. I didn't come into like my flow, even though I played basketball every day, I was a very good athlete. I still didn't have a lot of confidence so that set some stage in, in some of my early life of like really struggling and not knowing my place and avoiding conflict and kind of being small, playing small in some ways, even though I would show up on the basketball court fully or the water polo ring or sports and things like that. And then I met this, this mentor water polo coach who took me under his wing and almost took me to the Olympics in water polo. And that like his healthy male role modeling me, his seeing me his caring about me started to kind of feed some deficiencies in my system that maybe began my men's journey in a certain way, like just having so much respect for this man, like feeling cared about. And then I had some other mentors along the way, like I became a lifeguard in high school. And so I had some older women and men that like befriended me who um, were really just healthy resources. That's the best way to say it. Like healthy people who show, who saw me, who knew me, who, who I could like really connect with. And because of that, somehow I matured a little faster than some of the people in my age group too, which was very interesting. So I didn't play a lot of the games that people do in high school. I wasn't as, I just didn't participate in the same way that some folks do in the high school realm. You know, I, I was in the game and I was in the world, but I wasn't. I was like chasing waves and surfing. I was like going on hiking journeys. I was like really looking and finding myself and going backpacking alone in the woods and doing everything I could to, to avoid my pain. If I just get really honest, like mm. I was in a lot of pain and I was looking for ways out of that and, and, you know, smoking pot every day and hanging out with my friends wasn't really a good relief from it. Actually, it wasn't enough. I needed like something else. So I was like chasing waves and surfing, getting up in the dark and going out for these journeys. I was skipping school at times. I was doing a lot of things to kind of find myself and I had some really cool mentors. So fast forward that I ended up going to college in Santa Cruz after high school. And then I just started to blossom and come to life and got into Qigong and Tai Chi and Bagua and martial arts and yoga and all these things and started to like basically find myself, you know, find my center, um, started to attract people that I really resonated with, men, women, other folks, and started being around like, whoa, this world's a lot bigger than the one I was swimming in in my little pool in, in outside of the Bay Area in San Francisco area. I felt like I was swimming in this little pool and also I was swimming in a bigger pool with a lot more bright souls, you know, people that I was attracted to and resonating with. And so I started doing men's work right away, like getting into circles with men, going camping with men. Not they, Some of those weren't professional. They were more just like men seeking consciousness and, and hanging out. And that started to kind of give me some medicine. That's the best way I'd say it of like being with brothers and getting real and being authentic and like seeing each other and supporting each other instead of competing with each other. 
which I think we all know, right? There's a very strong game that goes unconsciously among men where there's like, who the fuck are you? And we're kind of looking for who's alpha all the time. And, and there's a certain sense of like always trying to position ourselves to like be enough and having a lot of our authority and self-worth outsourced outside of ourselves. And so I was just starting that journey of resourcing some of that in myself. And so I was doing some men's work. I got into Chinese medicine and acupuncture and healing and things like that. And that began this like continual drip of like learning about consciousness and healing and men's work. And then I, um, I ended up going to college in Humboldt state and being around a lot of awesome people. And then I met this father figure mentor who um, taught me acupuncture and I started mentoring with him and learning body work. And he owned a health food store and I met him because the highway was closed and I was stuck in this little logging town called Fortuna, which is on the way to Humboldt. And um, I ended up walking to this health food store and seeing this guy with his beard down to his belly and long hair. And I'm like, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> like very interested in him, very attractive, very curious. And I ended up like spontaneously saying, could I work for you? Do you have any jobs open at your health food store? And he's like, no, but I bought a couple books from him around barefoot shiatsu and healing. And then I met him again some weeks later he called me and was like, hey, you want to work for me? And I began this mentorship with him. Mm. Um, he started teaching me acupuncture. He started teaching me about healing work. But mostly he started teaching me about spirit and life and connection. And he became this like, in some ways, I still consider him like a, he came like the, he became a spiritual father. He, he filled a lot of these deficiencies inside of me. Even though I had a stepdad who was a pretty good, you know, a, a good man, but didn't really show up in a lot of ways and didn't have the capacity. And I had a father who is a wonderful man too, but really deficient in a lot of ways. I had this man come in who all of a sudden started touching those places in me that needed to be touched. You know, that's the best way to say it, that where I needed to heal and grow and who was able to like kind of direct my path a little bit and also just like challenge me to be, to come into my gifts like challenged me to grow into. And, and, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't like I got this guy who just took me under his wing and like things. He was like, I had to start facing some deeper stuff in me. I had to look at the place in me that would like overeat granola till I was sick because I was so hungry inside and like all the different stuff that was going on in my system of how I was numbing myself mm. instead of actually really being with this empty bottomless well that was in my gut. You know, mm. and every time I got really present doing like Qigong or breath work or yoga, I'd start to feel this knot in my belly. And I didn't really know how to be with it. And that's when I started to face that, that place in me. And so he catalyzed a bunch of movement that led me to, for one, going to Canada and doing this really powerful journey with this Karaka tribe out of New Zealand. And, and I'm, you know, I think I was 22 when I did that with one of my dearest brothers. And like, they put us through this, you know, two week rite of passage out on this river and this journey we went through. And, and I also even didn't show up fully there. Like I, I got, got a little sick. And so I held back and didn't participate all the way and then watched my inner critic come up and, and that fueled me to have to grow more. So, so that led to a lot of different things that catalyzed me becoming an acupuncture for an acupuncturist first as a first profession and getting into medicine and healing and martial arts more deeply. And then the next real catalyst for me was relationship, like coming to relationship and shutting down, like being with someone I totally loved and having all these blocks and walls in myself when, when I would feel insecure or when I would feel angry. And, and then I'd turn that on myself and I'd have these ways that I just wouldn't be able to meet the relationship. And I'd have a beautiful partner who's like so wanting me to show up and places in me just couldn't show up. So I started seeking more support and, um, it's hard to track all this in the timeline, but it led to me ultimately working with Gay and Katie Hendricks and doing basically 
multiple years of mentoring with them and jumping into their program and traveling. What It was called the apprenticeship at the time, but it became mm-hmm. a leadership and transformational group that I was in with them that began like a really consistent place of like growing and learning and being around some folks that I believe have been at the cutting edge of relational work for a long time. And that lit this incredible fire for me. Like I'm seeing clients, I'm doing acupuncture, and I start having this world of conscious relationship show up. I'm like, holy what? <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't even know this existed. I was like, there's, right. there's like, there's all these things that we can learn to do that I had no clue about that very few people are doing. And that just started turning on all these lights inside of me. And I started realizing like, relationship is the front line of human evolution. They're like, we're not relating well, not just with each other, but with my own self. Like, how do I relate with the places in me that shut down? How do I relate with the place, the inner critic in me, like we did when we were together at Sacred Sons? Like, right. how do I relate with that rather than having that microphone be so loud that all of a sudden it just, it just echo chambers through my head and all of a sudden I'm not functioning well. Right. And so yeah. that began this powerful journey. And so I'm seeing clients doing, you know, acupuncture and pulse reading and, and looking at all their patterns, which was totally incredible for me. And I was getting more and more curious about people's relational cycles, you know, their internal world. And so I found myself getting more curious about therapy and somatic therapy and conscious therapy. And so I started to seek some more teachers like Robert Augustus Masters. Um, I ended up doing an a apprenticeship for a few years in relational constellation work, which is what you saw me do quite a bit while we were working together was a blend of some things. But some of it was working with our ancestors that we don't realize that all of us are carrying all the undigested past impressions from our family lineage on some level or another. And every aspect of that has some magnetism to bring forth the right people and situations in our life to be a catalyst for us to grow and heal. And the more we see that and choose that and honor that, all of a sudden, we start growing fast Mm. and having a space to do that work. And so that work for me just turned on in some ways it was one of those things where it like kind of entered a warp speed of all of a sudden my growth and similar during that time i lost everything in a wildfire in santa barbara and and the house burned down and it was just like whoa and i was with my partner for 12 years both our dogs died during that time of old age within like i don't know four months of the house burning down and then my wife met another man that i was with and that just catalyzed this whole like just whoa and her and i had this I would call it a very conscious, loving unweaving and a very painful process of like shedding this life we'd lived. And it was almost like we were, in some ways, we were still boy and girl, brother and sister. And that process put us each through our rite of passage in a different way. Like we had come together and done all this healing from the age of 25 on. And at this age, we were all of a sudden like needing to really burn through a whole nother healing. And I really see it was for us. And fortunately, her and I had that capacity of after doing all the work we had done to look at it as, as, as not a problem, but as a possibility or mm. as an opportunity. And that uh, was another one of those like, okay, spirit. And I was on my knees begging for mercy. I was um, in the night shaking with fear at times, like with the, the, the layers of things that came up for me. I would say some of the fear that was in my system still from even my childhood and my time my father surfaced up in the process of unweaving my marriage and and then that began the movement to hawaii where i made this choice to stop doing acupuncture as my profession and really to step into doing couples work and and uh, even then i wasn't ready to offer men's work i was like i'm not that guy i never had this like i'm the guy who's gonna leave men's work i had the i had this thought of like i'm gonna do relationship and couples work and as i'm doing that it started just taking off and being really wonderful and I started having women go, hey, would you work with my man? 
<laughs> like, would you, would you help him communicate the way you're working? And I'm like, yeah, so I'll, t- I'll have these sessions with these guys. And I start having women just ask me, would you lead some men's work? And I, I was terrified of it, to be honest. I still had this place in me of like, I'm not good enough. Um, who am I to like lead men's work? Um, I had all kinds of fear about it. I had all kinds of fear of the judgments of me. So then I just had so many places where life was going, this is your edge. You know, mm. so I created this program about six or so years ago called the Passage, the Men's Passage, and I started offering it online. And I, you know, I put it online, put it out on Facebook, and like I had so much positive stuff. But I also had guys going, "Who the fuck is this gay guy? Look at this video. This guy's got like, what's this thing?" And I'd have to like face that place of me of that fear of like having the what we would call the unconscious masculine test my center, right? You know, test my center. Like, where's your center, bro? Mm-hmm. Are you going to get knocked off by these, you know, these wild card folks who are just very masterful at making others wrong instead of facing their own shit? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to, you know, are you going to fight back with them? And I just got to keep meeting myself in that. And, and that really cooked me in a good way. And the first program of that was so incredible and so rich and so deep. And I got to apply so many of the things that had been my medicine, you know, over a 10 year process into that work. And that really was like, whoa, I've got a bit of a formula here that's really valuable. And then I just, I've done it six times now online. I've been leading retreats and it's just been this really incredible, rich aspect of my life. And I've gotten to get in contact with so many amazing men and, and I've really got to feel the benefits of that and receive them myself, you know, and share. And then I, um, and then the sacred sons came around and I was watching their thing and I was like, you guys are rocking it. Come on. And they're like, well, why don't you come, come join us as staff. And they ended up um, and it didn't flow the first invite. It didn't kind of unfold for some reasons. And then they ended up living next door during COVID. And we got to start connecting and syncing up. And we had a few circles to drop in. And it, and it was like, whoa, there's some really awesome resonance here. And, you know, mutual respect and honor for what I've done, what they do. And then now we're here we are. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, Wow. There's so much. Uh, there's so much gold there that I want to dig into. Of what you shared, um, and I think one of the things that's the the top of my mind right now is this aspect of finding ourselves in relation to you know our worlds, uh, the other men that challenge us or confront us, the the lack of uh, a strong father figure, maybe the father figure that we wish that we had that we want. So. We have to go on these journeys and find the people out there. You know, we have to sort of, you know, seek it out to try and become the, the thing that we want to become. Or maybe we don't even know what we want to become, but we're finding it along the way. Uh, and new doors are opening up where we're going, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. Like you said. Yeah. When this theme of mentorship, I mean, that, that resonated with me so much. I feel that through... Uh, through my youth, through even my younger adult years, and even up until the past few years, I haven't really had any strong mentors that I could look up to that could help guide me into deeper parts of myself that could help me discover and learn more. And it's just been the past few years that I've started to open up more into uh, seeking mentors and learning from others that have more experience. And yeah, just really admire your path really going through uh, mentorship at such a deep level. Mm, you know, thank you. and appreciate you naming that because I actually feel like it's one of the ways that has a lot of history and tradition in our world. Most of the folks that we probably have a lot of respect for on some level had some mentors in their journey. And we live in this digital age where we have so much information. You know, we could read all the best books. We can absorb all this knowledge. 
And yet there's almost always this gap between the information and knowledge we have and the experience and how much we embody. And I believe mentorship, it's like, it's a little bit of like an initiation. It's like being in the presence of someone that we're, you know, opening deep to and dropping some of our ego stuff and really being willing to, to like, you know, allow ourselves to be, you know, guided by someone outside of our own ego. There's a humblingness to that. And I do think at times there's a trap in our culture, in our world where guys, you know, we have a lot of bright souls on the planet who are coming in hot and strong, but a lot of those men want to do it on their own still. They want to be a lone wolf. They want to like, they want to be, they want to be ahead of themselves um, and they want to already be there and they want to have read the books and have the knowledge. They don't necessarily want to humble themselves up sometimes and like go through that slower process of, of, you know, like what the karate cut kid had to do, you know, wax on, wax off and polish the car and do the, do the, the grind work a little bit and really just take some time to marinate in an environment that has us grow and I was really fortunate for whatever reason I didn't have too big of an ego you know to like to like bow my head down quite a few times on this journey to people that are much more evolved than I am yeah yeah and the you know the relational work is so important I really when I came back from convergence uh, after you know being a part of the shadow dancers (laughs) and uh, working with you it was like this medicine journey, you know, as, as sacred sun says, you know, brotherhood is the medicine. You know, I've done a lot of plant medicine journeying, uh, working with ayahuasca, living in Peru. And this was a different feeling. It was this, the feeling of medicine in relationship, Mm. relational medicine with brothers being seen, calling up, not calling out. Like that's, it felt like, Hey, we see something here. Let's all be with it together with this brother that's going through through it. And a lot of the power that I felt was witnessing it. The witnessing of it was just as powerful, um, I could imagine, as being sort of the sole participant of, of receiving it. So that tied into you know, how we interact in relationship with our partners. What's the connection here? Because I think that I would assume that w- when we get right with ourselves and with our brothers, then then we can bring that right relation into, uh, you know, with with our partners. Mm. So I'd love to I'd love to hear a little bit about that. And Bill, if you have anything to, to comment or add to that, I mean, yeah, I'll just add that I I learned so much through relationship about myself. You know, much like Mike was saying, and and especially in men's groups. And in any type of group work, the witnessing of others' experience helps me learn more about myself than way more than I can in a one-on-one setting often. And it's it's that relationship and that uh, it's it's really the presence and the witnessing in the relationship. And so that's something that's resonated uh, with me when it comes to just what I've uh, what I've seen of your work. And yeah, I would love for you to expand on that. Yeah, well, thank you both. And I appreciate your description of that, Mike, too, in a certain sense, because I, I believe it is medicine. And there, there's so much going on in a collective field. What I mean by a collective field is that like a group field of energy, there's all these strands of connection that are happening. And I, I am a firm believer that the evolution of humanity is going to be a collective evolution. And it is already and is in that process. And and I so resonate with it when 
we're in a group environment and we're doing the medicine work in a certain way. Like we're really meeting with full presence. We're all the way here. We're showing up. We're participating in our fullness. We're breathing through whatever's arising for us. We're getting out of our heads and we're putting attention on one or more brothers that are going through the fire in the moment. And maybe they're burning up some old energy and emotion. Maybe they're starting to reclaim some power, some energy that's been you know, stuck in their system for many reasons, right? That each of us doing that, there are these positive waves that reverberate through the whole collective. And in the small collective of the microcosm to the full collective of sacred sons, right? To that full group, you know, all, all of the circles of the work that was going on was creating this collective reverberation of all of us harvesting the gold of that. Mm. And, I, and I really got to trust that because to me, that's the beautiful way that we can trust the future because the more that we're doing that together and bringing that out in the world and showing up for, in the fullness of that, we're making these, these positive waves. We're emanating, you know, a different way of being that's starting to touch, you know, more and more subtle ways all around us. And so um, what your question was, Mike, is really valuable too. It's like, at what point do we do men's work and then we're available to show up in the relationship? And to me, it's a both and. Not everyone needs to go into men's circle. Not every man has to do men's work. You know, some men have really good friendships and brotherhood and they're not necessarily neglecting that. They go hunting with their bros. They're switched on. Those guys are real. There's this deep respect and they're not needing brotherhood. Maybe they're actually needing skills of how to show up with their woman and actually put the beer down and not watch football and actually drop into his heart deeper, you know, and maybe the brother circle helps. To me, it's a both and. Like we've got we've to cultivate both arenas as much as possible. We've got to have high quality, you know, male friendships or, you know, connections or mentorships that are nourishing us that are also having us get real rather than just kind of following the unconscious cycles of how men often come together, which can be a little bit on the surface. Mm-hmm. And we've got to proactively be learning how to show up more and more and more full for our relationships. And that includes showing up for myself in relationship to the other. Mm. And that's the link. People think it's like you got to show up so present for your wife or your partner. And that's true. You won't show up fully unless you're meeting yourself as fully as possible. Then you can show up with them. And so to me, the work is always like, how present am I with me no matter what stormy weather is happening with my honey? She could be super upset with me. She could have a big emotional wave. And if there's any, any place in me that I'm checking out from my own consciousness of breathing into my belly, my own heart, my own being, I'm not serving her. And if I'm, getting, if I'm leaving myself, like we talked about in the shadow dancer world, a lot of us don't realize we kind of leave our own conscious awareness and we go into the other person's business. We go try to read, let me help you, let me fix you, let me do whatever you need, honey, to be okay, that you feel better. We kind of try to hero them a little bit unconsciously. And anytime I do that, it also prevents kind of a deeper healing or a new movement of possibility. Mm. And so the work is kind of this dance of both realms is that we're simultaneously having to get skilled on all angles. My own relationship with me, my relationship with the deep people in my life, my brothers, my whatever spiritual circles I'm in, whatever those are that nourish me, whether that's medicine, whether that's brotherhood, whether that's some form of spiritual direction that we are plugged into. And then they're showing up with the relationship and being able to like not have them be separate. Yeah. Not have I do the spiritual work over here and then I get home and my relationship's so heavy and like, you know, like if she just really got it, I'm like, oh, that's you, bro, not her. That's you mm-hmm. trying to be spiritual in that realm rather than actually like um, invite that spirituality so much that you don't have to say a word about it, that like it transmits through the quality of your gaze, through the presence of your heart. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I 
I think it's perfectly like what's coming up for me right now is with all this deep work that we could be doing, right? And like dancing in all the realms at the same time. And then you have a partner, say, who's also doing that too, you know, which is my case, right? So it's, it's fun. It's real fun. Uh, and it's, it can be a little rocky as well. I also just want to presence that it's perfectly okay. To, to set boundaries and know what your limits and capacities are too, right? Because a lot of times I think as men, you were bringing up the lone wolfing it. You know, I know that for myself, sometimes I can kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mm. I'll get into a yeah, yeah, yeah thing. Like, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to take care of that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I can handle that. I, I totally am taking on more than I can, but I'm saying that I can because it's this kind of conditioned lone wolf mentality of taking it all on. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how how is it what does it look like to set up a boundary to say, "Hey, I really want to show up for you, but I, you know, like I'm also going through this and not really like letting it affect us where it we we start to get the stories in our head, the inner critic that's saying, "Oh, you're not man enough, you can't handle it all" or, you know, something like that. Yeah, that boundary is a really rich territory because it it I sometimes think it gets used too much, you know? And I think it's, it's about us being able to be in tune with like, what are my yeses and nos? And what am I really available for? And so part of, you know, dancing with a partner is checking in, like, how available am I to take care of her tonight when, or the kids tonight um, when she wants to go out? And, and how do I negotiate that in myself to check in of like, you know what, babe? I feel like I just did that the last three nights in a row and I don't have a yes for that right now. And I so want you to be able to do what you're doing. Can you arrange something else? Because I actually already had these things going on. I wouldn't call that a boundary. I'd call that going, I'm meeting her with like, here's what's truth for me. And so where, where boundaries important is when there's some form of, of crossing with aggression, anger, attack, making wrong um, energy that's coming out. That's toxic. And that's like, Hey, the way you're coming at me, the way you're speaking to me, the, the, the intensity, the direction, I like to call it aggressive energy, you know, is like the aggressive energy coming at me is not okay. Like it's totally cool that you're upset. It's totally cool that you're angry, but directing it at me is not okay. That's a boundary. And so I do like to be conscious of like when we use a boundary is that I'm stopping something that's crossing a place that my system is like, no, that's not okay. That's not, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel respectful. That doesn't feel honoring, just like it's not honoring if I do this thing to you. And that's where I like to really consciously use boundaries. In the other place, it's more of this dance of negotiating where's the alignment for, where's the, where's the right move here? Where's the co-creativity of how we navigate our date night or what we want to do or the agreements we're making of how we're running our relationship or where we're at around poly or monogamy. And like, what's that, what's the appropriate thing that we're agreeing to rather than a boundary. Mm. If that's helpful to think of it that way. Yeah. Like what are we negotiating? What are our agreements so that we have some, some, I would call it structure to thrive. Mm -hmm. That's the way I like to think of it. We're always creating structure to thrive. And if we don't create conscious structure, we have unconscious structure that usually sabotages. Yeah, then that's that's an interesting distinction. I mean, what I notice uh, shows up uh, more often than I would prefer in my relationship is uh, projecting from both sides uh, on each other because we feel so comfortable with each other, and and allowing you know the space to be angry and to be heard, especially if we feel not heard and are angry because of that. Uh, but also making sure that that doesn't cross over into uh, 
hurting and and project continuing to project more shit onto the other uh, partner and yeah curious uh yeah what's 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 that deeper thing that's there yeah projection is a sneaky one the way that the mind works that way you know and assumes it knows so i'm a big fan of speaking what what gay and katie have called the being my mentors again katie hendrix um the unarguable truth and anything that's arguable, you know, an opinion, a projection about what that usually isn't serving the relationship unless we own it. Like, hey, I'm making up a story that this is what's going on for you. Then I'm owning that like it's a story. It may or may not have accuracy to it. And then my partner can check it out. The unarguable truth is like, hey, in your presence right now, I notice like I've got this little layer over my heart. I notice I'm pulling back a little bit. I notice I'm like generating stories about your experience. And then I'm like, and it's like, I'm not meeting you fully. I'm not showing up or I'm having emotions and waves and see how there's no, there's no need to defend that or protect that. And that's a skill that a lot of us haven't developed in our world. We, we, we use our mind in ways that make messes and we overthink and overanalyze. And like you said, kind of project in a way. And so a lot of our work is what's actually true and real and happening here now inside of me. And can I be so tuned to that and share from that place and meet you from that place? Because almost anything else is story. Mm. And if we go back and forth about who did what and why they did it and you did this thing and we're just caught in kind of what we could call a drama loop. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our work is dissolving the drama and going, wait a minute, what's actually real in here right now? Respite, like maybe I took an action that was hurtful or maybe I said something that was rude and I'll own that. And then let's get down to like, how's that impacting you or me right now? You know what? I said that thing and I can just still feel, I actually still feel this little tenderness in my heart. I feel some shame that I said that to you. And I'm going to own that. That probably didn't feel good to you. And that's starting to clean it up and moving forward. And the more we get skillful at that of like being really real with what's here now and not being in the realm of arguing about what I think is happening for you and my story I'm making up about it it cleans up the field. It cleans up the relational dynamic. And all of a sudden there's more room to move forward together with understanding and accuracy of what's real. And I think you both know how quickly the mind escalates into making a story about what's going on. And very, and often it's loaded with past experiences that are merging with this one. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is that um, a partner might be angry at them for what they said in the moment. And yet that anger also has multi layers of past anger from the thing dad did 10 years ago to also the guy who almost hit you in the car last night. And it's almost like this loaded layers of anger. And then we make the one person wrong in the moment who stimulated some of that anger versus taking ownership for the rest of it, naming the one part of it that that there's some anger about. And that happens all the time in relationship. It's almost like throwing this thing and like not owning the fact that like the emotion in me is mine and you perfectly touched a button that activated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it never feels good to go that way either. Right. It, it's in, in my past, any of the times that I've acted out in that way with anger or projection or yelling, like I'm not feeling better. You know, it's not like, it's not call, It's not, we're not coming to a solution. You know, I, I could think of some times in the past where uh, I've been through maybe a breakup or a shitty situation or something like that. And my bros back then, it was sort of like, well, you've earned the right now to like go out with us, get hammered, try and hit on some chick. Like, you know, it's like this is the standard procedure that we're going to go. This will be healing for you. And, you know, you'll get over it and time will pass. 
but that totally avoids just sitting with what is and and diving deeper into that which which is so difficult for a lot of men and, and women too right i mean i think that like you know if we're in a relationship with a partner maybe who's not on the same frequency uh with us in in this this kind of work that we're doing trying to be better communicators owning our emotional experience it can get a little little tricky i i might imagine right i mean have you experienced uh the men that you work with sometimes bringing some of these techniques home and facing challenges and not being accepted with the what they're communicating or what does that look like when we try to sort of lead and engage from a more uh truthful heart-centered place yeah i've seen unfortunately a lot of that where one or the other whether it's in a partnership where one person i would just say ripens a little bit faster and has more of a willingness to to start to look at it more intentionally, more consciously, more willingness to take ownership. And then the first layer is more reactivity from the other partner and more making wrong or more blame like, oh, and you're trying to do that spiritual stuff to me. Or, and it's really unfortunate what that happens. I, it's like a phase of maturation, you know, in the process. And um, the direct truth around it is, is that that's when we get even more honest and real of like, hey, I'm doing my best to meet you with, with more honesty. I'm learning this way of listening deeper, of being more real, of owning my stuff. And I noticed that the experience I'm having is that like there's more blame coming towards me. And like I notice my body's tightening it up. I'm actually feeling less trust with you. And to get super real that like this is actually having an impact on whether we're going to move forward relationally. Of can, I, can I can I ask you real quick? Let's can we delineate a little bit between because I think this might be helpful when engaging with a partner in that way. There's a big difference between when we're communicating. I feel this way, right? Because a partner's interpretation might not hear that. Yeah, they might hear that as an attack, right? Mm -hmm. I just wanted to to present that. Yeah, thank you, thank you, and. There's, yeah, this, there's this fine line of us learning how to, to share our experience, right, with as much ownership as possible. And then having that environment be what we could call a fertile ground for our partner to meet us there. And oftentimes, you know, one person will be more ready for that. They've been doing some therapy on their own, or they went to a powerful experience that created a lot of learning and growth for them and their partner's not quite ready for that or feels threatened by it. Mm -hmm. So the first layer I often say is, how can we make this environment safe? And even if I'm bringing something new to the relationship to say, hey, let's just say it's my partner. Like, hey, babe, I know I'm, I'm, I'm like working with this other way of talking about what's going on for me and I'm exploring it. And we try to frame it in a way that makes it safe for our partner to experience us doing something different. And to first accept that maybe it doesn't resonate with them, but we're doing our best to navigate that as best as possible rather than, hey, I do this thing now and you got to meet me there. Mm -hmm. Like this is the conscious way. And if we don't do it this way, then we're fucked. <laughs> Excuse my language. Right. Like we yeah. don't want to go that way. Right. Or we, or, or like we've been so fucking it up and like, I don't want to do it anymore. And like, we got to really learn this new way to do things. And then that's a lot of pressure that the partner will have. And I, I try to do my best to really encourage folks to, to slowly integrate a new way of connecting, of, of relating together and to have it be a gentle process that, that leads with acceptance. So this is really about the radical acceptance of yourself first, right? The radical acceptance of your experience, being really, really in tune with that. At, and yet, yeah, see, he agrees. <laughs> he does. He's like, ooh. <laughs> That's, yeah, he's owning his experience. He's a little, yeah. So 
that that in and of itself, I think, getting really clear with us because you know it's 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 about how we language it, right? Like how, this is the where the medicine takes hold. This is where the magic takes hold in setting the container and the framework properly. Because there's a difference in saying like, hey. I, when you say that, I'm noticing that I'm closing up. I'm feeling a little this way, or you know, like being like, "Hey, I'm I'm getting a feeling that you're a bitch." You know, <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> like that doesn't that wouldn't be right. So yeah. <laughs> well, and I think the trap I fell into was, yeah, was not going slow. Was bringing back mm-hmm. all these things I was learning when I was going to different trainings or retreats, and and bringing them back in a way that was here's the way we need to communicate now. Yeah, and partner's like, well, whoa, why do I need to change the way I'm communicating? Because you're learning these new things. And, and I think what I've learned more over the years is, is to embody that and to focus on what can I learn from that myself? How can that bring me in deeper relationship with who I am and enable me to be more present with where she's at? And, uh, and understand that we're not on the same path or at the same rate. And that's still a dance I'm working with is, is that integrative path, especially as I'm very consistently leading retreats and trainings and, and being a part of them as well. Yeah. Beautifully said. Thank you. I really get that. And the, you know, there's volume spoken in the quality of your presence. Right. And I think that's where that's the highest pass we can get to. And it comes back to agreement. Like, Hey, I'm learning these new ways of communicating that feel really viable to me. I think they're gonna be really helpful. Would you be open to exploring them with me? Would you be open to checking them out? Or would you be willing to just to, to kind of read this with me? Here's what's what I'm noticing is working for me. And I feel like it would be valuable. So there's just this sense of like, let's come into this together. Versus, oh, you've got to do this thing with me now because it's better than what we've been doing. And it's mm-hmm. art. It's, you know, I call it the art of relationship, really, when it comes down to it. it is, it's an art because there isn't a right or wrong way. There's ways that work better than others. And we're learning those. And, and part of what I would call conscious masculine is learning to take the lead in a way that others around us are like, whoa, I'll join you in that. Like, that feels good to me. Like, I can feel that in your presence as you're speaking. Like, I trust that. I'll move forward with that with you. And we have a lot of leaders who push things through without embodying them, right? We can see that across the board. You have so many leaders who say it has to be this way, but they're so untrustworthy. It's there's there's not in their heart. They're not in their presence. There's all kinds of aspects of them where you could almost like, you could almost sense their shadow. Right. Right. And so a lot of our work is like the, we're the most trustworthy when we're the most at home in ourselves, the more accepting, the most in integrity in our own being integrity in the sense of wholeness. Like I'm in my heart, I'm in my gut, I'm in my balls, I'm in my power, I'm in my presence. And because of that, it's palpable that you could trust me, you know, cause I can simultaneously call you out and care about you at the same time, which is what I think we're each evolving into more and more. Right. I love that you said I'm in my balls because I, I've heard and I feel what it's like to be in my heart and what it's like to be in my gut. What does it mean to be in your balls? Yeah, imagine that you know the testicles are like this super life force factory that's always generating. You know, it's generating all these tiny little things that can produce life, right? And you know, in the Taoist tradition, the balls like hold so much of the essence or the jing or the vitality of our being. And we live in this culture that like basically spills our chi so quickly all the time, right? Whether that's through porn, through just like loosely having sex and even releasing our tension through sex. So to me, being in our balls means I'm, I'm all the way here and I'm willing to feel the full pleasure and pain of this life. Mm. I'm willing to feel all of it. I'm, I'm not like 
going to be living in my head, disconnected from the whole experience of my being. And the balls are the opposite to the head. They're the furthest down from it, right? Of course, the bones and the feet and all that down. But really, the balls are like these, you know, these super energy centers. And so the more we have a, a sense of awareness of them, a sense of connection to them, in some ways, we've got more access to our vitality and power. And, you know, there's all kinds of practices of like massaging the genitals and things like that, that do help to turn our system, which we do in our men's work quite a bit, because, you know, the more that we bring heat and energy and aliveness, but also pleasure and connection, it balances out this overactive mental energy that most of us are in that I think creates insanity. Yeah. Like I think most of the insanity of humanity is because we've got this engine of the mind that's so brilliant, but it's running way too long and it's burning up the rest of the fuel of our being. Right. And so our balls and our gut are this magical place of, of simultaneously power and aliveness, but also great mystery, great pleasure, great energy. And, and it's like uncharted territory for many of us as men because of the, the, you know, the enculturation we've had and the modeling we had and the movies we've seen and all the stuff that's put us in a certain mindset around sexuality, which is really limited as we know, right? Yes, very much so. So what are some practices that you engage in to, to bring yourself more fully into your heart, your gut, and your balls and away from the mind that tends to want to pull us out of everything else? Yeah, great. I've got lots of them. One of the most easy one, ones I, I share a lot is called tracking, where I make sure I'm as physically aware of my body as possible the bones in my body, the muscles, the blood moving through my arteries and veins, the heart beating, the breath moving my lungs down into my balls. Like when I really breathe, the lungs bring energy all the way down to my genitals. If I'm not breathing and feeling my genitals, I'm a little bit deficient in my breathing. So first I track my whole body experience. Then I track my, a little more subtle, I track my emotional experience. What's, what's going on in the emotional landscape of my being? Am, am I joyful? Do I feel a little tension? Is there a little bit of frustration in what's going on for me right now? Is there a little bit of fear because of some information I just got or because of what's going on in the collective? And then I go a little more subtle. What's taking up the bandwidth of this mind? And then I go a little more subtle. How connected am I to spirit or not? How connected am I to like the forces of life and God and the energies, you know? And so I like to think of going from the, the more gross to the more subtle, whereas in our world, we're trying to take the more subtle of the mind and then to put the attention on other things. And so it's cool to flip that and think of like, how's the foundation of my being? Am I all the way here in my physical body? And if not, not everything's going to go well. If I'm like really not here, if I'm not breathing into my lower belly and down into my perineum and my balls, I'm a little bit deficient all the time. Mm. Yeah. Interesting thing yeah. about it, like, right? Like that's powerful. Yeah. If I'm not feeling my heartbeat on some level, I'm a little bit disassociated from this life experience. And of course, we don't have to feel it every single moment all the time. And yet the more, the better when it comes down to it. That's one. Second thing, I'm a huge fan of men making contact and holding their genitals and breathing into them and not doing it sexually. Doing mm -hmm. it more as like, okay, let me bring as much consciousness, attention, presence, breath, warmth, energy, subtle sensation to my genitals so that I'm connected to them not only when I'm trying to get off. So I'm connected to them not when I just have these expectations that I have to get hard and be able to, to go right now. That I'm actually connected to them on a way that they feel more honored and respected as part of this whole experience I'm having right now. 
Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I feel that it is uh, of uber importance <laughs> to bring this into more of the consciousness because it's interesting. We we live in this culture in the West, in the United States specifically, that is kind of hypersexualized in one aspect. And at the same time, there's a whole lot of shame and trauma yeah. like tied into that as well. You know, so it's this kind of confusing thing. I know growing up for me, it was sort of like, well, I guess the my entire relationship to my masculine energy, my power, my balls, that life force energy was well, I guess just coming feels good. So that's what I should do. And I learned that through pornography. And I learned that through older boys who were like, in my, you know, older kids in the school and stuff like that. And also movies and TV and pop mm -hmm. culture and stuff, right? So it wasn't until recently that I really started getting into kind of some of the things that you're talking about here with uh, Montauk Chia, mm -hmm. uh, his book, The Multi-Orgasmic Man, uh, a couple other uh, – things that I've been, been practicing to, but I did engage in that non-sexual touch and just, just developing a, a richer relationship with my genitals as this sort of anchor life point, uh, life force energy within me that can be channeled into so much creative um, uh, applications uh, rather than just this thing that it's like a button to feel good up, oh, just push the button to feel good and then put it away back in the closet after or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> amen, brother. Yeah. And you know, yeah. because of what you just spoke, the amount of shame that men have around like having this closet thing where we project on women while we're watching porn or whatever it is, what happens then is it gets hard to actually have our full primal sexual fire with the woman we love because it crosses these wires in us sometimes too, where it's like, I can't do that to her with all the shit I've been protecting on with these women, you know, and all these fetishes and shit that I've just, just basically just toxic information my system's absorbed and been impregnated with, you know, from, from our enculturation, like you said, from our pop culture versus, you know, this discovering of the fact that like my lingam, you know, my sexual organ is a microcosm of the whole experience of my body. And so when I really penetrate a woman, I do it with my whole being, not with my dick. Right, mm -hmm. even though my dick enters and there's thing, there's a penetration through all of my being, and at the same time, can pleasure be a whole being experience rather than this one little pleasure just along my my dick, you know, this right. one little area on my penis that I can stimulate just enough to have that quick little release versus what if pleasure was huge amounts of waves of, of through my whole entire being and body that I was riding, and I can have the quick fuck you and like let me get that out in ten minutes. Like it's not, there's no wrong or right. They're both right. It's just, if that's our only channel, it's a little bit limited, right? Versus this, this full swing of spectrum of possibility. And most of us are just simply, we just haven't had, you know, initiation into what's possible in this realm. And Montauk Chi has been a great guide for that amongst many other teachers. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like this, the way that we engage sexually, it, it feels like a microcosm for how we engage with life. Yes. Thank you, brother. A hundred percent. And if we, if we've got these compartments of how we engage life in these different facets, according to what we're doing, we're fragmented. 
Mm-hmm. Like the truth is how we do one thing, we do everything on some level. How I show up in my work, hopefully is how I show up at home with my wife. And there isn't this split. And there's plenty of that in our world where there's people who are kind of like, you know, self-prophesized teachers and then they go home and they make a total mess in their family environment because there's a little disassociation from embodying what they, you know, they've got wisdom, they've got gifts, they've got that, but those aren't fully mature because they can't imbibe that and live that at home. You know, not that we have to be perfect. But as long as we can be a teacher and name our shadow, then we're starting to get closer, right? If I can be a teacher and like have imperfections and use those as doorways to speak my humbleness and even teach with more authority, that's what we want more of in our world, right? Like folks of us who can stumble and, and, and be honest with that piece and not lose our center, mm-hmm. you know, and not beat ourselves up because we're not perfect. You know, we have this world that keeps wanting people to be perfect and we have to keep pretending we're perfect, even though we've got this mess going on over here and we're, we're living a bit of a lie. And there's right. a lot of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, there's so much, there's a, there's so much more. And I think that a lot of men, myself included years ago, didn't realize that, you know, I'm having some of the best sex of my life right now. And I didn't realize that was possible. You know, I didn't, I did just cause what you were saying, I mean, it's like the, the old me, like if, if I'm talking to men that are listening here that are maybe, you know, younger than I am. So where I was at, like, I just didn't understand that there was, there were other, there was more, there was depth, there was richness to be found in the totality of, of my being and my experience and in that co-creative experience with the other. And that it's not this kind of one way selfish kind of expression or experience, but that there's a richness, there's a depth. So that ties into all the things that we've been talking about, really, this work, like there's, there's another way to be, you can to be in your center, as you're talking about, by engaging in a lot of this work and the relational work and working with reactivity and, and engaging, you know, the breath and the embodiment and the sexual energy. It's really, uh, it's really a gift that we can offer to other men out there, but they just don't know. They don't understand. So what is, what's a, what, how do we reach them? Is there, what's the invitation? How do we kind of cross that threshold from, you know, the sort of, um, you know, the people that, that don't really see, you know, it's almost like saying like, guys, there's a whole pile of gold on the other side of this mountain. I, I, I'm telling you like Plato's cave kind of thing. Like <laughs> I'm telling you out here, it's, it's better. And they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. We're watching the shadows on the wall. Like that's, <laughs> that's life. That's reality. So yeah, in your experience, what has worked <laughs> or what have you seen that has made people receptive and, and open up to, uh, you know, showing up and, and, and stepping in? Most often, pain and suffering. You know, for, for many folks, it's got to hurt bad enough to start to be willing to do something different. And, and I'm hoping that paradigm on the planet is going to change where we actually choose to evolve and grow and heal more consciously and deliberately rather than having to because we're suffering, because we're hitting the walls that aren't working in our relationship, in our work, in our life, around money, in our internal world of how we check out, you know. So that's the first thing. It's the bigger, mo- it's the biggest motivator, right? Basically is pain and suffering for, for, for many men. Like it's got to hurt bad enough. And then the second level would be association and uh, the attraction of men who are switched on. Like men who are, I think of it as that we're, all we're really doing is we're learning to turn the dimmer switch on our more, our full capacity. All of us have gifts. All of us have so much to offer here. And it's not about becoming a different man. It's about coming more in the fullness of who you are. 
It's not about negating any of the gifts you've already learned, any of the places you are. It's about, you know, being around that. And so once we start to get around men, it's very attractive to be around men who are grounded and deeply present and, and are holding what we could call like codes of like healthy father energy, of healthy masculine, of healthy king, of any of the archetypes on a certain level. And most of us um, will have a mixture of both, like the things in our life that are challenging and testing us where we want to get through. And then we'll also have this like, ooh, that brother has got something going on and I like that and I want some of that. And I think they kind of happen simultaneously. And I think the more of us men that are, you know, growing into and coming into more of our full spectrum and living it, embodying it and showing it, it becomes more and more attractive for people instead of kind of like our icons of ideals, you know, like we've got Mm -hmm. these like famous musicians or Instagram account folks who can put off a really good front, um, which is wonderful and put off this thing. And we want to be, I want to be like that. I want to have all these followers. I want to like have all this money. I want to have the dream home and all that, which is just surface bullshit. It's always good. It's good, but it really doesn't mean much. I've got plenty of clients who have five homes around the world and can fly anywhere they want. And they're still totally suffering inside. Yeah. You know, and to me, it's like, it doesn't matter how much you have. It comes down to like how fully you're meeting yourself and how fully you're meeting the people in your life and having the richness of relationships that are actually mutually beneficial and nourishing. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that answers in a certain way. It's kind of like a dual thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I would love to just kind of give the floor to you for a second to celebrate one of your wins at achieving something that you said, man, I didn't, I didn't know that I could experience something like that. And I did, I did the work and now I'm here. Is there a moment that really sticks out to you as feeling a sense of pride and satisfaction that you, you did the work and, and you, man, it, it feels good. It felt good to to make it to that side. I've got two. And one of them is actually going through the unweaving of my marriage and staying in love and being family still and being able to walk through that and feel all the things we felt and meet each other so fully and still be like best friends and still love each other in the dying of our relationship, you know, in giving death to this dance that we had and walking away from all of it and having a new thing emerge. That's one that I'm like really proud of. It's like, whoa, that was an accomplishment that to me continues to enrich my life because that relationship is so rich and I don't have anything I regret in that process. Wow. Um, the second one is more recent, which is a couple of years right before COVID, I was able to buy this property I have. And it was like a stretch in every single sense of the capacity, like going from having a really sweet home on the beach where I could like live my dream and ride my bike to surf and to the health food store and like owning it and having that going on to having this opportunity to buy a property from a client of mine that was like way big stretch on every level, like financially, responsibility wise, literally two properties, five acres, three homes, like a lot going on. And that process from the beginning of it, it we closed escrow right before COVID happened. And then all of our renters fell away. And it was like, oh, how are we going to afford this now? Like all the income that was going to cover, like help cover the mortgages fell away. And like, I had to like go through some really big fear and go through some like, oh my God, are we going to have to sell this? Like we just got it. How are we going to keep it? And like finding that place in me of like trusting and making good choices and um, navigating how that's going to work and like... um, having to do a lot of adjustments to life to make it possible to do this and to be on the other side of that now, two years later, having like, all right, we made it. We made it through that. Like we, we've been able to keep the property. We've been able to keep it afloat. We've been, you know, going on this realms and and I've gotten to a place where I'm holding more responsibility than I ever had in my life. 
mm. between my personal work and how many clients I have and all the things juggling to like negotiating a five acre property with orchards and gardens and bees and three homes and all the factors in that and the maintenance and upkeep and details. And like, that feels like this continual edge I'm kind of on of like being so busy. And then at the same time, still being able to play music, still being able to go surfing when I want to go surfing, still be able to like do what I love and not sacrifice those things and have a huge amount of responsibility. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I, um, I, I just, something just came to my mind when you were sharing that because of what you previously said about, un, unfortunately, uh, the growth comes, you know, or change comes for men when there's pain and suffering. And those two moments that you just shared seemed like there were pain and suffering in it, but there was also the, the willingness to go into it voluntarily, right? So yeah, like maybe you could share a little bit about that because I think there's the, there's a misconception that a lot of people have. I've, I so saw it in the sort of psychedelic space mm -hmm. or the consciousness medicine space early on when I first got in, like there's this maybe romantic idealization that when we do the work, it's great. It's all unicorns and butterflies and rainbows. We're love and light. We're warriors of peace. We're, you know, you know, surfing on a cloud. So but that's not true. There is pain and suffering. There's challenges. So yeah, I was wondering maybe if you could talk a little bit to how we show up to that pain and suffering, how we accept that pain and suffering to move through it, knowing that, I guess, having faith. Uh, I don't know. How would you explain it? Mm, great question, brother. Thank you for naming that. And I'm having yeah. these memories of, of, you know, the first months here and having COVID happen and like actually having some of the most tension with my wife than I'd ever had, you know, um, and like feeling this like, oh, like just cooking and not being able to sleep at night sometimes just like with all the things my head was running. And, um, and then at the same time going, you know what, I have to see this is for me. They're like, that's the big shift I think is like, if I'm willing to see that the discomfort I'm facing, the pain, the, the stuff that has me kind of like, kind of groveling on the ground, kind of trying to find my strength, trying to find my center, trying to find my trust, trying to find, like trying to get connected to the place in me that knows I have the capacity to face this. Like seeing that as for me. Because I think we all know the hero's journey always puts someone in, in the place where they, they have to face the place where they don't know if they can keep going. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I've learned to recognize that life puts me in that place just perfectly. And, and, and that I'm close to a growth spurt or a breakthrough if I'm feeling that feeling in me. If I'm like, it's too much, I don't think I can take it anymore, like this is overwhelming for me. That means I gotta bring more breath to it and I've gotta, get, and I've gotta feed the mind less. Because most of the time in my experience, it's my mind that makes the suffering happen. The pain and the struggle are there and the suffering's optional. And that's the differentiation. The suffering happens by the mind overly ruminating, overly thinking, overly focusing, overly projecting, overly like assuming it's going to get worse, trying to project how bad it's going to be or it's going to be. The pain is tolerable and meetable. And I think we all get to discover that probably at some point when we're going to die too, like when the body starts breaking down or we go through a big injury, we have to at some point learn to, to meet the pain and not let our thoughts amplify it. That's the big shift, I think. And that's the big work when I'm working with clients, especially couples, when they start to meet their pain and all of them wants to shut down and push the other away and just check out, like get away from the relationship, get out of the therapy session. And I say, hey, you're right there right now. 
Like, this is it. How can you create your own safety in this moment? How can you breathe deeper? How can you create a space where you don't have to leave? How can you take care of yourself in this moment and breathe and meet and not let your mind make this worse than it is? Not let your mind put you through a situation where you're going to shut down, you're going to block your partner, you're going to push away, you're going you're to do something that like basically prevents a healing in the moment. And so my, my experience been, has been again and again is that there's this, there's this huge opening to healing that's just right through a threshold of pain and discomfort. And the more we start to like welcome the pain and discomfort and breathe into it and meet it and not let our mind make story about it, we start to open to the new movement or the energy or the healing or the realm. Mm, and then yeah, you saw well, that through the weekend, like guys getting so close to their peace and then calling them to greater presence and calling everybody present. And all of a sudden their system moves through it more easily, more swiftly in a way. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I just shed a layer of skin. Yeah. It was so you know? powerful to witness that. Yeah. Wow. And that's what happens, you know, we're, we're doing that individually, hopefully, and hopefully we've got the right support, you know, because it is hard to do that alone. It is hard to be alone in the night unless we've cultivated some tools or have a resource of a friend or a therapist or someone that like really can be present with us so fully because they've done their work that that our system trusts theirs enough to go through it. Because mm. I don't want to say that like every single person in the dark night of their soul can just find that on their own. I'm not saying they can't, but I'm just saying it does, it does really help to have healthy resources. You know, in the constellation work that I've done a lot of, I've really learned to call on my ancestors, even the ones I don't know. I've learned to call on like forces and energies that are benevolent that can show up for me. You could call them spirit guides. You could call them angels. You could call them, you know, animal totem beings that they are called Amakua in Hawaii here. Like, you know, and so it is important that we resource ourselves very profoundly. And if I'm calling in resources, something in me is awake and aware enough that I can meet what's happening more fully. So for any brothers who, who are in the dark night of your soul right now, who are facing life circumstances, challenges, relationship that has you on your knees begging for mercy, like ask your ancestors, like call forth beings, whether they're living or not, to help you know the truth of your soul, to help you know the deepest strength in your being. And then reach out to the people you love to say, hey, I'm suffering right now. And like, you don't have to fix me, but I could use your presence. I could use your love. I could use your care and support. You don't have to do something for me, but just be with me in this. And that step is a very big leap. And I think that's the challenge. Uh, I've faced it and, and a lot of men I know have faced that too. Just this, this thought of feeling alone, no matter what my situation, no one else is dealing with this. No one else has it as tough as I do. And there's this, this comparison and the shame that is brought into, into our minds that blocks us off from reaching out for help. And, uh, yeah, I'm curious if there's anything you can offer men that might be listening to this, that do feel alone and that feel shame, guilt, or burden by opening up their problems to, or challenges, or difficulties, whatever it might be, to others. Yes. What I'll say is when folks get to help, they feel like they receive a gift from you. So what I want to say to those who reach out to help, folks want to lean in and show up for each other. Like humanity, this is one of the most beautiful things about humanity, is that humanity wants to help each other. We don't always know how to, we don't always know where the entry point is, but like when someone's suffering, humanity has a pull naturally in our heart. So when we ask for help, we actually bless a friend to show up for us and then they get the grace of that. 
the grace of spirit of life, of the force of life coming through and into them. And so that's the, that's that mindset, unfortunately, that's a little bit toxic in a lot of men that there's this like John Wayne syndrome, right? Of like, Oh, I can do it. I'm on my own. I'll do my thing. And it's such a BS story. Yeah. And the truth is men, I think we all see this. Like when we get to show up for each other and reach a hand out and pull our brother up and like see him and honor him, we get the medicine of that. Mm-hmm. And, and rarely does a man really judge his other, her brother when he's in suffering and pain. He more goes like, bro, wow. Wow. That's big. Ouch. I don't know how you're feeling that. I don't even know how you're facing that. Right. And so I, I want to ask brothers, like you're giving a gift to a brother. If you're giving him an opportunity to love and support and see you and show up for you in whatever way he does, you're not a burden. Like that story of the burden, the story of, I got to do this story. I'm on my own. That's old. That's really old. It's got some weird generations of, of some kind of break in the matrix that tweaked us as men that has us forgetting the fact that no one's here alone. We, none of us would be here if we were alone. And it's an insanity that we are individual. Even the whole American dream is a total fallacy and insanity. No one can have that huge mansion on the hillside without thousands and thousands of other people growing food, getting them resources, shipping things around the world. It's a total illusion. And so my little castle on top of the hill is totally an illusion. And we live in this world that, that really keeps perpetuating that. And the truth is like most of us feel totally alone in our castles rather than being connected with people that really we feel par- a part of a moving, living energy system that's supporting us. And that's what I, where my life is most fulfilled is all these men I've gotten to co-create with and work and get to know and support and be in containers with has enriched my life so that I have more resources than I've ever had before. And they're not financial. Their heart, their care, their quality of connection, their value in each other, their honor, their respect. Yeah, that's a brilliant. I love that you brought that up because it's shifting the definition of what we value, you know, rather than like, I mean, you know, we've heard it so many times, right? Like we've seen that story play out. Oh, this celebrity, why are they depressed? They have all this money and, oh, they found out money wasn't the way and they changed their life. But still people sort of find themselves stuck. I I think that a lot of what we're dealing with right now is a stuckness. And, you know, I was talking with people yesterday about how, you know, we just have to do the best we can to help remind each other. You know, I think there's a a lot of it is this remembrance. Um, I was in a a group uh, chat where people were talking about kind of feeling, feeling the heavy weight of being back from a peak experience and kind of like going through the motions of going to the supermarket and taking the, doing the laundry and doing these things. But they told me a story about how, you know, someone was like sort of just dancing down the aisle in the supermarket and it just like made them feel better. Right. (laughs) So it's like, it's like a, it's an offering, a remembrance of sorts or this kind of magnetic energy. If we can cultivate that within ourselves and carry it forward, I think that signals to other people like, Hey, remember, remember what it used to be like to dance, to sing, to play, to hug, to laugh, to be, to be fully here. Because I think we all want that, right? Don't we all crave that deeply in that sense of connection and community? Yeah, I love it, brother. Yes. You know, uh, I have a pretty big background in Sufism and being around really beautiful circles of, of Sufi mystics and musicians and all that. And the word zikr, which is the practice in Sufi, which is like you're doing these mantras, you know, la ilaha Allah, Allah, 
which is like all there is is God. And zikr means remember. And mm. the Sufis, which I really love about the Sufi mystical tradition, is that it really is all we're doing is we're purifying ourselves to remember. There's no, there's no new information in the world. We're, we're literally just needing to wash away anything in the way of what's really true. And that the true practice is that remembrance of the ocean, you know, that we're all a part of and connected to. And, and, and that like someone dancing in joy and, and being in that is, is a doorway into us remembering like, oh, that childlike joy that is such a gift of this life that we get to have, right? Mm. And it's the same with the tenderness of someone in deep grief and loss. There's a beauty. There's a joy. There's a depth. There's a realness in that. And any place in us that doesn't want to be with that, that's not ours. That came from somewhere. That's like an old program that came from somewhere that we need to keep dissolving. Even fear, even the like, holy shit, I'm going to jump off this cliff and I'm fucking terrified. We absolutely love that. Jumping off that big thing into the water, right? That fear is awesome. You know, as Fritz Perls would say, you know, fear is just um, excitement without the breath. You know, pretty famous things like you bring some breath to fear and it starts to move and all of a sudden that's thing is excitement about like, okay, there's yeah. a great unknown here. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this remembrance uh, and this childlike play and wonder, you know, it brings me to this, uh, this interesting, I guess, intersection of these, these initiations, these rite of passages as, as we transform ourselves into more full fully embodied men and really embodying these masculine archetypes uh, on the man side, moving from the boy, uh, but still being able to keep that playfulness, uh, you know, still being able to have, you know, that dash of irreverence and, and have fun with life. You know, I think, I think we're missing that type of integration. And, and I'm curious what your perspective is on, on really integrating that fun, that play, uh, that silliness, you know, with also, you know, embodying this more powerful masculine. Mm. As I said a little earlier, I'm a big fan of the full spectrum. And, and I love to play. Like I'm out wing foiling out in the waves and surfing regularly. I do a lot of things that completely fill me with joy and, I'm a, I'm a believer that we've got to have that, all of it, the absolute powerful warrior presence in the moment to meet something as fully as possible. We need to have the magician, right, that can like work with the unknown or the medicines or whatever it is that has us journeying into realms outside of understanding. We've got to have the king. We've got to have the boy. We've got to have all these archetypes. And again, I would say that, that all of us are growing into more capacity. And hopefully that capacity means that we've got more on tap of more colors of our soul, more of the collage of our being, you know, because we, the world needs that. It needs our full spectrum, our full expression, our full realm, and it's certainly partnership, like total, my love and I can be super serious and deep and focusing on what we're doing work-wise and what we're up to. And then we can be so playful and joyful and, and realm. And I savor that tremendously to have that full realm. You know, and I do believe that joy is one of the ways we recover from, from, you know, the heaviness of a fight or a tension or a challenge or a stressful moment. That joy is one of the ways that we kind of reset. We reset the, the, the framework between us, you know, relationally. Hmm. Yeah. 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 It's such an important part. I mean, Bill and I were just talking about this, that there's a lot of serious 
work to be done. And also we don't have to take it so seriously. I mean, take it seriously, but don't, you know, treat, treat it as like, uh, you know, Hey, it's a game. Like we're playing a football game. It's a game, but you know, you want to win, but also it's also just a game. And I think that a lot of what we're doing, you know, in this sort of like healing space and the consciousness space and the men's work space, you know, one of the reasons why I was uh, really enjoying the Sacred Sons um, was the celebration aspect, mm. the coming together aspect, the the drumming, the the drum circles, the the chanting, the singing. Man, when we went out there and did our shadow dance, it was so fun, and to witness everybody else's dance, like that, that really. I feel is a special, special part of, of that. Um, when I heard one of the men share in sacred combat, the, he said, I didn't know this was possible. I, this is the most that I've got, I've been with a group of men without drinking alcohol, mm. you know? And it's that the combination of all of these things together, um, and so I think a lot of us are really looking to stay connected to that on like a daily basis and not just have it as be these experiences. Yeah. I was wondering like anything that you could share that, how do we incorporate this more into our, into our lives? What does that look like? What does it feel like to be, you know, really uh, embodying the totality of what it means to be walking the path to become more in our bodies and ourselves as a man and also to to celebrate and to play uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys are doing it for one. You're immediately creating a circle of brothers to be able to get together and, and do the things that you're resonating with. And so, you know, not all men, un- unfortunately, have access to like, you know, a community of other men that are getting together so that you can keep that fire fed. Um, you know, ritual is a really valuable aspect of life, whether that's, you know, playing music, whether that's lighting a candle and sitting quietly and being with spirit, you know, and being with your ancestors in some way. And I, I keep thinking of it, is it do things that break the norm of the cycles of things that you do that, that have you really enter kind of a numbness? You know, for instance, I'm not a fan of watching movies much. I encourage people not to watch many movies. I'm mm-hmm. a fan of like creating experiences that are meaningful to you rather than just sitting behind the screen and checking out behind a movie. Movies are great. You know, it's not like they're bad. They just, they're just another way to numb and dumb down and they have their yeah. place. And so like, what could you do instead? You know, what would be something creativity that lights you up? Like what about calling out some bros to get together and have a circle and drop in and have some real conversations about your life and where your challenges are and being proactive to creating environments that, start to allow yourself to have more fulfilling experiences. Yeah, I love this. This is great. I mean, because you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have all the qualification. Gain the experience by doing the thing, I think, right? Like, it doesn't have to be this formalized thing. Like, if you're listening right now and you're feeling lonely, isolated, yeah, call up some people around you. Get together. Just, 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 Just make it happen. We don't have maybe cook a meal together. I don't know to figure something out. Just come together. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Keep keep interrupting the unconscious patterns of your life that you know intuitively. For instance, even just like you know, looking at your phone every ten minutes. You know, that's an unconscious pattern that starts to actually throw you off a little bit, or numb your system, or have you unconsciously just go to whatever it is—Facebook or Instagram or something—and like do things to interrupt those patterns. So there's room for other things to enrich you. And I will say the other medicine will always be nature. You know, there's 
endless discovery in nature, even if you walk the same path every single day. And so I will, I will always say that nature is the, one of those teachers that never gets old, that will always have something for you the more you pay attention. And so if that's where you're at in your life, if you can go to the park every day and you can go somewhere where you pay attention, you listen, you make contact and you connect with people and you get yourself in a realm where you're open to spirit moving through and, and even like aligning you. There's all kinds of books like the self-seen prophecy that just show there's no mistakes. Like spirit will start to come in just perfectly when you open to it. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think like, brother, whatever you need to do to like keep bringing in fresh new experiences into your life so you break out of the mundane or join some form of group or organization that gives you a mission that's bigger than your own small life, mm-hmm. you know, that has you involved in something, whether that's environmentally or politically or something that's meaningful to you, that puts you around people in an environment that stretches you to engage in ways that brings you out of your inner world. Yeah, I I think what I've found is a big detractor to the work is the heaviness of it and that it feels like a lot and it's so consuming. And, you know, it goes back to just our way of being avoiding a lot of things that are heavy and might bring up pain and, and things that we've just been in an automatic way of pushing away. And, and yeah, that's why we're so passionate about bringing more fun and excitement and what you mentioned, creativity uh, to this in a way that uh, that connects us in ways that we're not normally used to. You know, we're not just going to go to a bar and have some beers or watch a football game. We're going to engage in new ways. And uh, I'm just curious, what are some of the creative ways that uh, that you've utilized to really deepen connection within groups you lead? Yeah, well, I like I like to use blindfolds. So I'll have people like have to drop into their senses differently and guide each other and feel each other. I do that with my wife sometimes. Like I surprised her with her birthday. I had like a meal made brought to the ocean. I blindfolded her and had her walk a pretty long way on the beach before mm. getting to the meal, having no idea what was coming <laughs> on. Nice. Things that had her system be a little bit, you know, off her own zone and getting to open all kinds of new sensory awarenesses. And, um, you know, I live in Hawaii, so I'm super blessed too, because I've got the ocean and the mountains here and, and streams I can go to and waterfalls and wild spots that, that really engage me. Although like when we have a gathering of friends, you know, we light a fire, we bring up music, we bring in different musicians to play music and share songs. And we, and we often, um, we'll even play games. We'll, we'll do things that just drop us into a deeper state than just kind of relaxed, loose conversation, which is wonderful, you know, just shooting the shit but also doing things that like bring us together in a different way that allow us to engage as a group in a new kind of way. Um, so there, there's lots of different things we can do to keep kind of bringing fresh ways of showing up together. You know, there's all kinds of really cool games out now too, where you could like, you know, people have to enact certain things and guess, you know, all kinds of ways that, that allow different aspects of our brains to turn on together that are super good for our systems. And I think, mm-hmm. unfortunately, we are getting kind of numbed and dumbed down by social media and being such a, a go-to thing, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the entire day for most people, me included. And I've got to be very deliberate to shelf that thing and like do other things. Yeah, the, the, it's it's this sort of like, how much willpower can we really have sometimes when it, we're alone and we are just engaging in that conditioned habit, right? So it's like, one of the one of the things that I always feel is like, man, I am super engaged. I am super in my body. I am super turned on when I'm at these experiences or retreats. 
And sometimes when I'm alone, I'm like, oh, I'm slipping a little bit here and I'm like spending a little bit too much time. What I have noticed recently is it's not having the same effect. Mm. It's not working anymore. You know, it's not working anymore. And so I'm like, well, this isn't really giving me the same sense of satisfaction that it might have once given me. So it's just now this is pointless. So it, 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 it does spark that creativity. And there's this, I think, what we find it, reaching out to men who have never experienced men's circles or men's work or shadow work or any of the, the kinds of uh, modalities that we're talking about here today is there's, there's this interest, but there's also this hesitation. It's, you know, this, this sense of like, I don't know, like I, I, I do want to, I do, I do want to express them interested, but we, we feel the sense of withdrawal. We felt the sense of withdrawal, I I feel I've I've felt that sense of withdrawal, and it's like, how much do I want to keep extending the invitation? How much do I want to show up? When is it coddling, and when is it when is it time to kind of, hey, you know, step into your power, brother? Like I see something in you, and so you know what I mean. It's kind of like I mean, actually, I I saw you express that on our, our recent Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you know, stand your ground here, and so mm-hmm. how much do we sort of invite with compassion and with love, but also sort of call out and say, Hey, I, 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 I know you express interest in this. I want you to be a part of it. I think, you know, there's some, some kind of question in there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's a, a perfect recipe for that. Although, right. you know, you want to watch, like if you give a couple invites and someone's not following through, then let your experience speak for itself. And if they get called, they get called, but don't, don't try to pull somebody in. That's the big thing I would say is don't, you know, folks will find their own ripeness. And if they hear about it from a couple of different angles, you know, that's what happens for me. I'll be leading this men's work and all of a sudden random is like, hey, I've been hearing about your work for a few years. I'm ready now. You know, and right. I don't have yeah. to like talk to people about it or share. It's like they're hearing from someone's experience like, ooh, I want that. Mm-hmm. And so you guys, as you share things, you know, you give a warm invitation to someone. If they don't, if they don't buy that at right now, if it isn't for them, then like leave them a space on that. Sure. Yeah. And a more actually, this is what I wanted to ask. This is the real question. So say, you know, there's a a friend who's like, Hey, I'm really struggling. I'm really going through something, but, but, and, and, and I offer the invitation, brother, reach out to me anytime, you know, text me, brother, like call me, like I'm, I'm here for you, you know, really. So what, but there's still this sense of like, not, accepting the invite. And then when we revisit it, it's like, yeah, you know, I've really been, I've really been suffering. I've really been struggling. And it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm here for you. I told you I'm here for you. So, so there's this thing that's sort of still in the way it's like this conditioned pattern, this lone wolfing, right? I mean, yeah, Mike, that's a powerful one. And you know, if it's a friend like that, it's probably when your warrior more, your powers come out like, Hey bro, I'm going to call you out. Like I hear you saying you're suffering, but are you reaching out? Are you taking action to meet it? You know, I've, I've made myself available and you haven't reached out. Why aren't you reaching out? So the challenger at some point does need to come out, you know, just like if I go to a locker room, I hear a bunch of men talking shit about a woman. I'm going to call them out. Even if they're threatening mm-hmm. me, it's like, Hey guys, are we still in locker room talk here. Does she, does, is that really respectful to this woman? Mm-hmm. Like, do you really want to do that? Does it really feel good to you guys to like keep doing this scenario? And I know you guys want to like rip me apart for saying this, but you know what? That's a kid's game. You still playing a kid's game, you know? So on some level, like we have these moments where, you know, you get to trust Does spirit. Want me to be real with this guy? Like I've offered to reach out to you, brother. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing your complaint. I'm hearing your story. What are you doing to, to meet it? What are you doing differently in your life to heal and grow? You know, from love, not from making him wrong, but from a challenge. 
you know, a healthy challenge. Like, where are you at? Like, what, what, what's in the way of you getting support? Right. Because I think that the people there's, there's two ends of the spectrum. Like we've talked a little bit about men who aren't in this line of work, but now this is more about men who are in this line of work and still kind of pull back a little bit and resist. And it's almost as if they indulge in the coddling of the bad behavior or the depression or the shadow. Oh, I know it's just my shadow. I'm acting up. Uh, you know, I just need to work through it. I need more processing. So there's, there's, there's a point where I feel that it's like, no, like, like there's a time and a place and now it's time to kind of step to another dimension here. Yeah. And so we've got to all navigate that. You know, that's, I'm calling my work, the navigator project of what, what we've been evolving into. And, and, um, that's kind of what we're all becoming. We're becoming navigators. There isn't like this perfect way. We're all going to do it differently, but you've got to trust your intuition in the moment of like, how do I, what, what's, what's needed in this room? If I really check in, was, if I'm, if I'm fully radically honest with this brother, what would I say? And if I wasn't trying to paint it nicely, if I did it, if I, you know, I, I, love should always be there, you know, on some level, you know, love and care, but it doesn't mean it can't be sharp. You know, I would say like Kuan Yin's compassion is not this like real soft, gentle, fragile hand. Sometimes it's a really sharp, direct, like, you know, what's up? Right. Where are you at? Right. And so, you know, if, and, and that's, that's a form of love. Just like health, like the healthy masculine father figure, like at some point he's got to push his son out the door. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to be wrapping up here in a little bit. Shems, this has been wonderful. Uh, I really enjoy uh, hearing from you. Uh, Bill, I'll pass it over to you for any uh, questions you might have uh, remaining. Yeah, I guess my my last question for you, Shems, is... Uh what do you what do you hope for with with this men's work? What what do you see as as the bigger picture that that you're wanting that that you feel deep in your heart and soul and in your balls is yeah. so needed uh, from we men on this planet? Yeah, my hope and prayer is there's this rapid, huge tidal wave of men touching each other in a powerful way and stepping into living on this planet deliberately, consciously, powerfully with heart and depth and not standing for any more of the bullshit and stepping into leadership in ways that we can have respectable leaders going on, you know? So I want to see this like fast, big surge, like a wildfire, you know, there's plenty of fires on the planet right now. And we don't need any more of those right now. We need a fire of consciousness, for men to burn through anything in the way of them showing up fully in their lives. And so I would love my small work of men's work to be spreading that as well as the big wave of, of sacred sons happening and what you guys create and all the other brothers that are around the world right now, stepping into men's work, because there is a collective movement of the masculine coming to light, I think in a really powerful way. And I want to feed that in every way I can and be a, you know, be a, be a wind in that that's blowing that wild and bigger. Mm. Mm. Aho. Aho to that. Yeah, I believe you are that big wind. So tell us about some of the uh, the gusts of wind that you have coming up, things that you're working on to, uh, to fuel this flame and uh, the projects that you're engaged with and the programs that you're hosting. Yeah, the first thing I have going on is we've been rebranding the work um, into the Navigator Project, but I have a retreat the first five days of December here at my property just for 12 men, like an intimate you know, journey. And that's going to be totally epic with local wild venison from just up the land here and farm food. And so that's pretty awesome. And then in the new year, I've been doing these year-long journeys called the Men's Leadership Council. And so we're launching a new one that that we're um, we're called the Voyage 
all under the Navigator project. And then I'll have another 10-week course coming on, which is the one I mentioned called The Passage, which I've been doing. We're using this ocean navigator theme because it, to me, it feels really resonant with like how we're in the great unknown and how we're all having to become captains of our vessel in some ways and learning how to meet that and also how to read the landscape, how to navigate the, the great unknown of this world right now. Because I think we all see there's a breakdown all around the planet. Many countries are actually collapsing right now financially and there's a lot happening. And I see that we're needing to all grow into leadership quite quickly. And so I'm hoping that our work helps to promote some more of those leader brothers. So you guys can go to navigatorproject.org or shemshartwell.com, my name, and find out about either or both. I think we've got about five more slots left too, if anybody felt called to come to our retreat, which we're very excited to have going on. And, and I really appreciate talking with both of you guys. Thanks for having me on and getting an opportunity to drop in deeper this way. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much, Ems. Uh, really appreciate it. And one last final piece here. What, are, what would you say, out of all the things that we've discussed here, it's just a, some simple action steps that some brothers can take that are that are listening right now. Maybe they're feeling in a rut. Maybe they're feeling stuck. Maybe they're feeling the the pull of that shadow. Those coping mechanisms. What can they do right now uh, to uh, to get a little bit more into their bodies? Yeah, if you remember, I talked about B Man, which is an acronym I yes. use for our men's work, and and B Man is so great. My bro Jeremy, who's been working with me for some years, he came up with the acronym name, but. The more that we meet what's happening inside of us with totality and fullness, the better. And so B-MAN stands for breathe, breathe more fully, more deeply, get out of your head with breath. M stands for move your body, like get connected to your muscles, to your joints, to your body. Because if we don't do that, we often lock ourselves into postures that keep us in a certain mindset. So we breathe, we move, we accept whatever the F is going on inside or with the other person. Can I first leave the acceptance rather than fighting it or arguing with reality? Like I'm angry, I'm shut down, I'm stuck. My life sucks right now. Can I accept all that and breathe and move into it? And once I've done those three, breathing, moving, accepting, what's needed or wanted, be man, for me to move forward in a positive way in my life right now. You know what? I'm needing to stop and just like do some meditation and really find my center. I'm needing to like, I'm needing to start going to some classes again that get me to a place where I'm like working out and in my body. I'm needing to quit this fucking job. I'm needing to end this relationship because it feels like totally codependent and we're unhealthy with each other and we keep getting in the same fights or I'm needing to get support. I'm needing to actually get help to face what's going on in my life. So we make a choice of what's wanted or needed from a place of being very present in our body and accepting what is first, not from a place of making it wrong. So many people make what's going on wrong in themselves and they're in their mind about it. And then they try to fix and change all these deck pieces around them, you know, like playing chess rather than like meeting ourselves so fully and checking in, what do I really need or want right now? What is the deepest intelligence in me trying to tell me? What have I not been listening to? And am I willing to listen now, now that I've been breathing, moving, and I accept what's going on? That to Amazing. me works in any moment, in any situation. Mm. That is a great tool. Yeah. yeah, I've been using that tool quite a bit. It's a great tool. So everybody listening out there, they've listened this far. <laughs> so now start listening to yourself. Start B-manning. Yeah. Shems Hartwell, you're the man, brother. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. 
And um, please, everybody, go. You have a wealth of, of information and resources. My brother Kyle Tierman's had you on his show a bunch of times, yeah. epic big wave surfer and, yeah. and e- ecologically uh, conscious-minded brother. Go check those podcasts out. You, I encourage people to go hear more of your story elsewhere. Go to your website. Explore the content that you have, the offerings you have on YouTube, on Vimeo. I even saw, too, some of you, you're practicing your techniques and stuff. So if you find this conversation to be uh, as worthwhile as uh, as Bill and I both have, um, please go and click those links in the show notes, show description. With that being said, thank you, Shams. Thank you both. Much love and light your way, guys. So great to be with you. You too. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Please go to the show notes, uh, show description to check out everything that we talked about on this show, ways that you can support the show, leaving five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, going to the Patreon, Check out our retreat in December in Boulder. Going to be epic, primal masculine journey in Boulder, Colorado in December. And uh, check out Shem's Hartwell, all of his information, everything. And support our sponsors, Element Kombucha, the best kombucha around. Mike 11 is the discount code. Being true to you and Fungi Academy. All the information that you're going to need is going to be in the show notes, show description. So for that, thank you for the music. Thank you for... The wisdom, uh, Shem's Hartwell, and thank you to all of you for listening and supporting this show. Till next time, much love. Peace.